Welcome to the Emotional Health Podcast. I'm Lucy, the host, and this podcast is designed to encourage and equip you in your emotional health through education, interviews, and real life experiences. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome back to the Emotional Health Podcast. We're here for another episode, um, and I'm really excited about this episode. I mean, to be honest, I'm excited about every episode, but I think this one will be particularly helpful for a lot of people because it's all about anxiety. Um, That might not be something that we're like, whoop, whoop, yeah, let's talk about anxiety. Yeah, favourite topic. Um, But I do think it's obviously an important one to talk about and is often the thing that I get asked about the most. So in my work, I would say that Honestly, I would say that probably between 80 to 90% of the people I see, there is some kind of link to anxiety um, in why they're coming to see me. That might take shape in lots of different ways and it might show in lots of different ways. But even after some t- even if at the beginning they're coming to me for another reason, actually by the end we've linked it somehow to insecurity or anxiety in some kind of way. And... Obviously, anxiety is a huge, huge issue in our country and in the world. I mean, we have seen that more and more, especially over the pandemic. Um, Either people have increased their anxiety because of the pandemic, but also a lot of people have actually decreased as well. And we can kind of come to talk about that in um, future episodes as well. But we know it's a big, big topic. We know that it's something that we talk about. There's a lot of awareness about it. But honestly, do we actually know what it is or why we have it? So that's kind of what I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking with you guys about today. Now, if you haven't already, I would highly, highly recommend that you go back and listen to the F word episode because that episode is all on the fight, flight or freeze response system. And this response system is crucial in starting to understand anxiety. So if you haven't already, um, either pause this episode now and go back and listen to that one or listen to it afterwards. Um, but I will likely refer to the fight or flight response during this episode in helping us understand anxiety. But I'll do a really, really quick recap um, for you. So our fight, flight or freeze response is a survival instinct that every single human being has. It's something that's in us that alerts us to when there's a potential danger. And basically it creates our body, well it makes our body go into either fighting, fleeing, so flight, or freezing um, in order to survive. And we've had this that's evolved in us as human beings over many, many years and it's still something that we all experience today. And without it, we would not have survived this long. But yeah, like I said, go back and listen to it for a bit more detail on it and a very helpful little hand analogy, but um, I'll let you decide whether you found that helpful or not. Um, But yeah, so today, as I said, we're going to chat a bit more about anxiety. So as I stated in the fight or flight episode, the reason why I talk about that survival response is because it's really closely linked to anxiety. Well, it, it basically is anxiety and also anger as well, but we'll come on to that on another point. The reason that 
I talk about anxiety in the fight or flight response is because the anxiety that we experience, it always comes from a place of survival and protection. And actually anxiety is basically the flight part of the fight or flight response. And anxiety, we feel it in lots of different ways. Um, We might recognise it from our heart beating faster, through a feeling of sickness. Um, Maybe we notice that our thoughts are racing or we're worrying a lot or overthinking. Um, And it tends to be, you know, there seems to be some obvious signs in lots of us. And like with the fight or flight response, it's something that everyone has. That means that everyone has experienced anxiety. Now, this might sound a bit weird um, and thinking, well, you might be thinking, well, I've never experienced anxiety. Um, But I want you to think back to any times where you felt nervous, where you felt worried, where you felt slightly not at ease. That's anxiety. And like we kind of talked about before with the spectrum, it's the same with anxiety as well. So, Just because you experience symptoms of anxiety does not necessarily mean that you need to have a diagnosis. But then there's also some people who experience anxiety on a really severe scale and it is something that they need diagnosed with in order to get the appropriate help and support for that. But ultimately, everyone experiences anxiety and they experience it on small scales and big scales and it can change over time as we sort of talked about before with the spectrum on our thinking about emotional and mental health. So we experience anxiety when our body perceives there to be something of a threat or something that is going to harm us in some kind of way. And that can obviously be a physical threat, but it can also be an emotional threat as well or relational I'm sure we've all had the experience of waiting maybe to walk on stage, whether whether you're a performer or, you know, you're walking across to get a certificate or you're having to read in front of the class or something like that. But take a moment and think about times when you've felt nerves, when you felt anxious for something, when you've felt worried about something. And I want you to think what, what was going on in that situation, what, what was happening And like we said, it doesn't just have to be big threats like a lion is chasing you. Like, obviously, you would feel anxious about that. But it could be fear of embarrassment, fear of failure, fear of being caught out. But I want you to notice, yeah, why you were experiencing that anxiety. And it's very unlikely for us to experience anxiety when we're in places that we feel safe where we feel comfortable. We tend to experience anxiety when maybe something is a bit out of our comfort zone or out of something that is called your window of tolerance. Now I'm going to speak a little bit about what I mean by your window of tolerance. So your window of tolerance is a concept that is it's really simple to understand, but it's basically almost about comfort zones and then what happens when you step outside of those comfort zones. Or you basically step into an area that, you know, you're not quite sure what's going to happen. Um, it's almost like imagining that in your window of tolerance, you're in the trenches and outside your window of tolerance, it's no man's land. A little bit. But 
your window of tolerance is basically what what your body can deal with, what it feels comfortable with. And when you're inside your window of tolerance, your body feels safe, your body feels protected, and you don't feel in any kind of danger. And so you don't experience the fight or flight response, basically. And everyone's window of tolerances are different. And they, they grow and they shrink over time, depending on your experiences and what's happened but basically what happens is if you go outside your window of tolerance your body doesn't know if you're safe or not and so if it doesn't know if you're safe it's going to prepare you for something that could be a threat or something that could harm your survival and that's where we enter the fight or flight response and you can kind of step out, almost imagine, put your hands out in front of each other, another hand analogy, here we go, hands out in front of each other with your palms facing each other, a bit like, you know, if you're pretending you've, you're holding a ball or something, or a car, or a box or something, it's probably better way of thinking about it, almost like you're holding a box, and that can, you know, be really big, it could be arm's width, it could be really small, but within those two hands, you're safe, you're okay. But if you step out of your window of tolerance, you step out of it, like I said, your body doesn't know if you're safe, so it activates the fight or flight response. And on one end, it's you go into hyper arousal. So that's about, that is your fight or your flight. So that's something where it needs action, where basically you're, you're doing something so your heart's beating faster, um, you're getting ready for action. And then you can go outside the other end of it as well. Um, let's say hyperarousal is over your right hand and hypoarousal is over your left hand. So the other opposite end. And that's all about kind of more your freeze fawn type response. So basically you, you back away, you start to not act, basically. You withdraw yourself. And that can actually be really closely linked to sort of depression and low mood and that kind of thing. So everyone's window of tolerance is different and you know everyone's going to have had different experiences that basically increases or decreases your window of tolerance and so going back to how this links to anxiety basically we feel anxiety when our fight or flight is activated particularly our flight response and that's because we've stepped out of our window of tolerance we're maybe in a territory that we are unfamiliar with or we have seen in the past to potentially be a danger or a threat and so our body kicks in our fight flight response i hope you're keeping up with me so far this kind of stuff it's simple once you get your head around it but can take a little bit of time to understand but ultimately anxiety is there to protect you i know doesn't sound right because why would I be working as an emotional well-being worker and having young people come to me struggling with anxiety and then for me just say, oh, it's fine, it's a good thing, it protects you. Like, that's not helpful. But anxiety's original purpose, if we take it back to that fight or flight response, if we take it back to that window of tolerance, its original purpose is to always keep you safe. Your body is not working to try and harm you. It only ever does things in order to keep you alive and to keep you safe. If you think about why you feel anxiety, it's because your body's alerting you to the fact there could be something that could be a threat to you. And so it's getting you to think about, do I want to do this thing or not? It's getting you to think, 
do I need to be out of this situation? And particularly with anxiety, like I said, it's linked to the flight response. It wants to get you out of that situation. So next time you're feeling anxious, notice why it is you're feeling that way and see if it's reacting that way to try and protect you. And sometimes even just that, having that awareness that when you're feeling anxious, it's because your body's trying to protect you. That can be really helpful because you can already start to talk to your body and say, oh, it's okay. I don't need protecting. This is a safe situation. And we're going to come on to future episodes about how we, how we deal with anxiety, how we speak to it, how we manage it. But it's really important we understand the why first um, before we jump into anything around, okay, what do I do about it? But I promise you, we will come on to that. So then it begs the question, why do so many people struggle with it? Why is anxiety such an issue for so many people? And actually, you know, we, like we sort of said before, it's a spectrum. Everyone will experience basic levels of anxiety. That's normal. That's okay. Some people might be more moderate around experiencing anxiety and then some people's might be more severe and might need a diagnosis as we talked about but why people experience anxiety in a really bad way is because what's happening is your brain is telling you or your body is making you aware of a threat or telling you you're in danger but you aren't actually in danger but there is no life or death situation and this is where anxiety become become a problem. Now, the fact is, our amygdala, as we looked at last time, is the thing that sets off your fight or flight response. It's the thing that really drives it. It can get it wrong. It can misread signals. It can believe that uncomfortable situations, such as public speaking, is the same as a life or death situation, such as being chased by a lion. And so... Our brain will then, it doesn't have a different response depending on which type of potentially dangerous situation you're in. It has the fight or flight response. So it will create the same response in us if it's, you know, the same as running away from a tiger and speaking in front of your class or speaking, you know, wherever you're speaking to in front of your whole work team. And it will create this response, which will make us feel that we are in mortal danger. Again, if we had a fire in our house, that would be appropriate. That would be, you know, because we are in danger. We do need to get out and we need to respond as if we're in dangerous situations. If you see a bear, it's the same thing, you know, that it's no disputing the fact that it's good to feel that in order to get you moving. But it's not very helpful when, like I said, you're doing some public speaking and your body is treating it as if this is it. You're in really bad danger. And what it makes you want to do is it makes you want to get out of there as quick as possible. And, you know, this is influenced by a lot of things. This is kind of, again, going back to your window of tolerance. You know, our window of tolerance is affected by so many things. It's affected by our past experiences because our amygdala makes connections between experiences and feelings. So if you've had a bad experience of public speaking, your window of tolerance might grow smaller because your amygdala is going to connect that experience with that not very nice feeling that you had, with that feeling of, oh my goodness, that fear of failure, or that fear of now being left out or being made fun of. 
but it can also grow as well like and we're going to look at how does that um, happen but it can also just be affected by the way we're thinking about a situation by the way we are viewing it so to sum up so far we know that anxiety happens when our body thinks we're in danger and like I said, in some situations, that is appropriate. But a lot of the time, and the reason why people struggle with anxiety and reason why people find it very difficult and it, and it basically feels like it ruins their life and not protects it, is because their brain is misreading signals. Uh, their brain is thinking they're in danger when you're not actually in danger. And it will do the same response as if it is in danger. So again, heart beating fast, maybe feeling sick, all those things, they actually can be helpful when we're actually in danger because it gets us to move quicker it gets us to respond to things quickly but when we're not in danger we don't actually have something to react to our body will just continue to feel that until potentially we've left that situation or we're out of the in air quotes danger which cannot be helpful because then we're left feeling this reason and we're kind of like we don't really know why we're feeling this way and so also we've it's good for us to think about so how does anxiety grow how does it become a thing how is it something that people know that they continue to struggle with and there are different elements of anxiety as well you know we talk about social anxiety there's ptsd which is post-traumatic stress disorder there's ocd which is obsessive compulsive disorder Um, lots of different types of anxiety and it's all but it all stems from the idea that your brain is telling you you're not safe until you do this thing or you're not safe um, you need to get out so anxiety grows when we do the thing we are feeling like we need to do in that moment so I'll explain that a little bit more anxiety drives people to avoid the things that scare them or to to do something in order to help them feel more safe so when a scary thing is avoided there is obviously an immediate sense of relief we feel better we feel more peaceful we feel oh that's okay that's avoided but that is short term because the next time a similar threat arises it feels even scarier because your brain has made a connection that oh last time you avoided this So we need to have the same reaction again, because obviously that was a real threat before because you avoided it. And then what this does is it creates a harmful cycle of avoidance and which worsens anxiety. It makes anxiety feel so much bigger and so much more out of control. And so we ending up, we're doing things that we've altered our life in a way that we are responding to our anxiety and we're doing things in order to protect ourselves, but actually we know we don't need protecting from. So if you struggle with anxiety, you know, maybe think about the things that make you feel anxious and ask yourself, is that a thing that is an actual life or death situation? Or has my brain convinced me that this is a threat? And so that is basically anxiety. When you get down to the nitty gritty of it, sometimes anxiety can feel so huge and so big and out of control and really hard to manage. And it can be. And that's why I'm here to support you and help you and help you understand it. But that's why it's really important to understand, well, what is anxiety? Because again, we talk about it so much. And people often say, well, I feel anxious or I'm, I have anxiety. And we need to know what that is and why we have it. Because when we begin to understand it, we can then learn how to manage it. 
we can learn how to help it. And it's not about getting rid of it, again, because like we talked about the fight or flight response, we can't get rid of it. It's something that we need, but we can manage it. And so what we are going to continue to look at in later episodes is looking at how we can retrain our brain to know the difference between a real threat and a fake threat. And that will start to unlock and help you feel more capable in managing your anxiety. And we're going to think about also that in terms of the window of tolerance. So that's basically about how can we grow our window of tolerance? Because if you think about it, the bigger your window of tolerance, the less likely you're going to um, fall out of it, basically. The smaller it is, the easier it is for you to be outside your window, for something to come up in life that kicks you out of your window of tolerance, which ultimately begins your fight, flight or freeze response. And so a quick example of how that grows or a way to think about it, I want you to think of something that used to really scare you, but now you can do it without it really being scary. An example for me is driving. Now, uh, many friends of mine and family would know that I never thought I'd be able to drive. I was petrified. I was really scared of it. I didn't really understand how a car works. Um, I think I, I think I can pretty much understand now. And I was convinced, I, I wanted to learn how to drive. I wanted that freedom. I wanted to be able to drive a car, but I was convinced that I would go to automatic as soon as I passed. And I was, and I was contemplating going automatic anyway. And there's nothing wrong with going automatic. In fact, it probably will happen at some point. But the reason why I want to go automatic is like, right, okay, I'm just so scared of having so many things to do in the car and it's just really hard. And driving lessons, you know, and I passed the test, which was an absolute miracle, honestly. Um, And I was still feeling nervous, but it wasn't until I needed to drive a lot for my previous job. I had to drive every single day. And now I absolutely love driving. And, but it wasn't until, like I said, I had to drive every day that I got used to it. I got more comfortable with it. I got more confident with it. And like I said, now, I used, I used to literally think about having to really psych myself up to get in the car and thinking about everything. And I'd be really nervous and, you know, it took, it took a lot out of me to sort of go to drive. Now, I'm the one trying to fight with my husband, with Sam, for to get to drive myself. I'd always be like, oh, Sam, you drive. And now I'm like, oh, I want to drive. (laughs) And that's crazy to me. That's crazy to think that I used to be, honestly, I'd have panic attacks about thinking about driving and gosh, I've, I've never felt more nervous than before my driving test. It was so nerve wracking. I literally was like, I could have been sick. I was so scared. I just can't believe that now I love it and it doesn't scare me. And I tell you why that happened wasn't anything magical. It wasn't, you know, anything particularly spectacular. It was just that I kept facing that anxiety. I didn't feel anxious once and then not, and then basically stopped driving. I just kept going. And definitely at the start, when I first started learning how to drive, there was definitely times where I left it for ages or, you know, but when I had to, because basically I had to do it for my job. I had to drive places And so I had to get used to it. And so that grew my window of tolerance. 
that grew what I was comfortable with. You know, it would be that I would feel anxious even thinking about picking up the car keys. And that's how small my window of tolerance for that was. Whereas now, probably my window of tolerance is I would only feel anxious in the car if I actually got into an accident, which would be fair enough to feel, you know, I mean, it all happened probably too quickly, but for anxious about all when I've suddenly got to do an emergency break because someone suddenly cuts in front of me or something like that. And so that's just a really quick example of sort of how thinking about how it grows. And it basically grows through not backing down from anxiety, not letting anxiety have the final say. My window of tolerance grew because I slowly but surely faced my anxiety. And I actually had to step outside my window of tolerance a little bit in order to let it grow. And so this is what is sometimes the hardest thing about anxiety is that the way to treat it is to face it. And that's exactly what your body, like we've looked at in this episode, does not want you to do. It does not want you to face it because it's trying to protect you. Again, going back to that, it's not doing it because it's trying to harm you or because it's trying to make your life miserable. It's doing it because it's trying to protect you. So when we understand that, when we begin to actually accept the fact that our body isn't trying to work against us, but we can let it trick us. And actually, we can start to say no to anxiety. Not in a way that we hate it or that we are trying to get rid of it altogether. But in a way, you would, when a child is, when you're a parent or something, and obviously I'm not a parent, FYI. um, But when a parent is maybe disciplining a child, you know, they, they say no or they bring them back from something because that's not good for them. You know, sometimes we have to treat our anxiety like a toddler. Like, you know, something that we know is important. We obviously, you know, have a toddler and that kind of thing. This is a really weird analogy, but go with me. Um, But we have to sometimes say no to it because we know that's what's good for it. And that's the same with anxiety. Sometimes we have to say no to what it's telling us and do the opposite anyway. But I'm going to leave it there for today and we will continue to talk about this in the next episode, what in terms of educational episode, we are going to be looking at thoughts and how powerful and important our thoughts are in this situation and with looking after our anxiety. So I really hope this is helpful. Just a couple of takeaways I'd say is think about your own anxiety, maybe think about the things that triggers it, what causes you to feel anxious and notice if there's any patterns or anything that is, you know, it is those threats or you can see those things because that can be really helpful. But also anytime you feel anxious now, just try to remember and think, okay, my body's trying to protect me. What does it think I need, need protecting from? And can you actually start to say, no, this is a situation that I don't need protecting from. And to encourage yourself, think about something that used to really scare you, but maybe now you do without realising And let that encourage you. Let that be an encouragement for the thing you're facing at the moment, for the thing that's making you feel anxious at the moment and know that you can also overcome that too. I have complete faith in you that you can do it. 
So I hope you found this episode helpful. Please reach out, you know, give us an email at emotionalhealthpodcast at gmail.com if you've got any questions or anything you'd want to ask. Um, if you've got any thoughts on this episode or anything you'd like help with, um, there, follow us on Instagram as always. Um, we'll be putting new stuff out on there. And next week we've got another interview episode, so that will be really fun. Um, And yeah, guys, have a lovely, lovely week, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye!